Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We are going to start with Guy Talk today, which means get your questions over here pronto. 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. The power panel today consists of Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and 007 Justin Jepson. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. Nice to have you all here. Justin, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Good to be with you guys. You're the one person I can't you. see, so thank you for... Uh, for being with us today, if you have to leave, I will understand. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, thank you for your understanding. Sometimes and, and it's you always show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's appropriate we start the show today by wishing Rosie a happy birthday. Tom Brock, would you like to sing? Everything is rosy since I found my Rosie. Life has been so cozy. I was, I was hoping for something better than that. <laughs> what? Happy I think like it was you. lovely. Like thank you, Tom. Oh, oh, happy, songs, oh that's kind of like that. dull. Well, that's kind of dull, but I mean... Right. Happy, that, birthday to you. Oh, happy birthday guys. to I'll you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rosie. Happy birthday to you. She's oh, quite the... a gal. <laughs> now, the first song was from Bye Bye Birdie, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. yeah. And how many times did you see that as when a kid? When I was a fourth grader, I saw it five times. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have hobbies at that age? I was just your strange little boy. <laughs> and <laughs> no one's changed. No, no, don't ask me what happened. No one is disagreeing with that. <laughs> So again, let me know what your questions are, 877-933-2484. If you've always wanted to ask your pastor a, per, a particular question, but maybe were reluctant to do so, you have to be reluctant no longer. You can uh, ask these guys. They will do their very best to answer your question, 877-933-2484. I will also check my email if you want to send me an email, if you like that a little bit better. That's Bill at MyFaithRadio.com. Here's a verse I've been looking at for a week. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Mm -hmm. So when you hear expressions like, God's in control, God's in control, God's certainly going to journey with us through everything that we go through in life. But what do you make of this verse that says the whole world is under control of the evil one? Well, first of all, I think it's true because the Word of God has always been true in what it says, and it identifies who really is the ruler of this world. I mean, you don't have to go very far to find hatred or selfishness or lust or any of those things. But to know that we belong to Jesus in the midst of that, I think, is the greatest thing we can ever know because, let's be honest, I've been a pastor 45 years. I have laid hands on people, Bill, and I've seen them healed. I've laid hands on others, and I've watched them die. I've watched adults die. I've watched children die. And I've done four funerals for kids, and I don't ever want to do another one. Here's the bottom line. How do we interpret that as Christians? If we keep using language that God is always in control, which he is, he will have the final word in all things. But in this life, there's still a lot of chaos and sin. And as a result, uh, either you've got to go to the one extreme and say, 
since God does everything, he took the child when he wanted to, which most of us wouldn't want to do, or you go to the other extreme and say, you know, he didn't have anything to do with it. It's really in between. He has created the world. He's here, but the devil's still in charge, and we're the rebellious ones. The whole world is out of order with the Lord. You know, yeah. I just yeah. I, go ahead there, Justin. Yeah, no, I was just thinking that I think while that, yeah, that's absolutely true, and I think what comes to my mind is just, you know, earlier in First John uh, 3 and uh, verse, verse 8, it says that the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So while on one hand it's true that the devil has a rule and a reign, a power and authority over the world and systems and culture, um, at the same time, the Son of Man, Jesus, has authority over the world. He's overcome the world, and he's he's the one who's actually over and in charge of the devil and sovereign over all things. And so I think it's um, we, we recognize there's different kind of levels of, of, of power and authority within the spiritual realm. Uh, but the one who has been given all power and authority in the name above all names and has the dominion of overall dominion is is Jesus, and that's our hope. So while we uh, certainly, you know, have a sense of um, it, a sober-mindedness about the power and authority that the devil has, we also don't fear and live in light of that because we have been delegated a greater authority as ones who have been born again and bought by the blood of Christ. And, you know, I, I just taped a TV show, and the question was, does the devil cause all the suffering of the world, or does God cause the suffering of the world? I can't believe in a God who causes suffering. And my response was, well, who <laughs> rains fire on Sodom and Gomorrah? That was God. Who is it that flooded the earth during Noah's day? That was God. Uh, Moses is told by the burning bush, who makes man deaf, dumb, seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Amos 3, uh, if a calamity happens to a city, hasn't the Lord done it? So if the question is, let's say you're suffering illness, is that God or the devil? It's both. I mean, it says in Acts that Jesus went around healing those oppressed by the devil, and Jesus heals the bent-over woman whom he says Satan has bound for 18 years. On the other hand, you've got the angel of the Lord in the New Testament destroying King Herod for his uh, uh, blasphemy. You've got God killing people that are taking communion and getting drunk on it. So there's God. It doesn't say anything about the devil. And so I, I think the best way to put it all together is the book of Job. Job chapters 1, 2, 3. Who is it that hits Job with all that awful suffering? It's the devil. But he had to go before the throne of God and get permission before he could touch Job. So if I'm sick, is that the devil? Well, he may have a hand in it. Is God in control? Yep. He, Satan can't touch me without God's permission. And the, the good news over it all is Romans eight twenty eight. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Let me push this just a little further. In the New Testament, Jesus said, out of the heart comes evil, fornication, adultery, you know, all of those things doesn't give any credit to the devil, mm-hmm. doesn't give any credit to the Lord God Almighty is it's creating this. He said it's coming out of us. And yeah. I think what we've done is we've, we've, we've got this wonderful dichotomy of the Lord Jesus on the one side and the devil over here. Whose fault is it? And I'll tell you, Tom, 99% of the time, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. It is my decisions, my attitudes, yeah. my behavior that gets me in trouble. Hmm. I agree, Tom. It normally is your fault. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I can tell you guys are friends. Here's another question that sort of joins into the first one. Can you get to heaven if you are not a friend of Jesus? Jesus said, a friend of the world is no friend of mine. 
Can you get to heaven if you are not a friend of Jesus? There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I don't think so. I get that. You have to be a friend of Jesus to be saved. You on, do. on the other hand, are we very good friends of Jesus? No. <laughs> we still have our sins and our uh, and P- Peter denied Jesus three times, but he took him back. So it's not like he's looking for flawless friends. But you do have to be his friend to be saved. And, and just simply, you have to be reconciled to God through His blood on the cross. Yeah. Yeah, amen. I mean, you know, he says in John 15, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but but part of that is being connected and abiding as branches to the vine. So we have to have we have to be united to him first, which, you know, that's not based upon our status or performing as a friend. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's based upon, you know, Jesus's pursuit uh, of, of us and, and, the, and the love he demonstrated for us on the cross by dying for us, even while we were horrible not just bad friends, we were enemies of mm-hmm. them. And, and so that, that's, that's where our hope lies. But yeah, there's, there's no other way. Um, and again, it's not only about Jesus as a means to an end of going to heaven. Um, that, that's the, you know, uh, yes, that, 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 that the Bible speaks of that. Of etern- we talked about this before is the eternal life is actually entering into a life-giving real personal relationship with the living God. And, that type of life, that quality of life begins now here on this side of eternity, but it also then lasts forever when Jesus comes back and make, recreates the new heaven and the new earth. That's a good answer, 007. I'm just curious, are you currently wearing a tuxedo? Well, you know, you know James Bond has always got a tuxedo on. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I, martini in his hand. Well, I, I wouldn't go oh, there, Tom. Steak, steak not stirred. Not yeah. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> All right. You really have this down. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. uh, Let's get a bunch more questions. Uh, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Guy Talk. The Power Panel is Pastors Tom Parrish, Tom Brock, and uh, Justin Jepson. We'll be right back. talk. Keep your questions coming. There's some good ones coming in. I love it. 877-933-2484. Here's a question I have, gentlemen. Let's see. This, uh, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That's Psalm 43, verse 18. So we're to pray to the Lord and seek his strength. Should we not ask why, but ask what? What are you trying to show me or teach me, Lord? That's some insight. Hmm. That's a good one. I think human nature, is, the whys are always there. I mean, we would like to have some control over life. We'd like to have control over our health and our family. But when that doesn't work out, there's always that big question of why. And I think we need to be wise in Christianity to not make it sound like because you believe in Jesus, you're never going to be troubled by these things. And I don't think anybody means to say that, but it's said. Um, but at the bottom line is that uh, 
we really need to not only ask the why, but we need to also ask, what do you want me to do in this, Lord? How do you want me to reflect mm-hmm. you? How do you want me to become more like you? How is it through my suffering or through the, the chaos of my life or the breakdown of my life can I represent you better? And I think too often we don't talk enough about that or think about it. And so when people are hurting, we have a tendency to hurt with them, which mm-hmm. is understandable. But we never give them an opportunity to talk about how they're, they're walking with the Lord in the midst of this. Good point. Tom Parrish. That question makes me think of Paul the Apostle in Second Corinthians. Three times I asked the Lord to take this thorn away. And finally, God said, no, um, my power is made perfect in your weakness, basically. So there's an instance where somebody did, I think, probably, Paul said, please take it away three times. Well, no, here, let me tell you why. <laughs> it's going to keep you humble from exalting yourself. So if, if you're suffering and you don't know why, uh, ask the Lord. He may, he may do a Paul on you and mm-hmm. actually tell you. On the other hand, Paul, same man, wrote, Now I know in part, then in heaven I shall understand fully. So some of these sufferings we don't understand till we're on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, I think the why question is unavoidable and is, you know, something that we can um, be, be honest about that we all ask. And in fact, I mean, it's, it's, it's such an often uh, stated question in the form of prayers of lament in the book of Psalms. You know, I think of even just in Psalm 42 and 43, it's it's three different times. There's the chorus of kind of the refrain of why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? And I think that it's not that it's a bad question, but it's just not the only one we should ask. And, and I love that, you know, that the second half of that refrain is hope in God, for I shall again praise in my salvation and my God. And so I think, I think we, um, you know, I've heard it once. I've heard it once said that a lot of kind of the pain and the misery that we that we uh, have in our life in terms of trying to make sense of things is because we, we listen to ourselves too much when I think we need to talk to ourselves more. In other words, we need to state the truth and proclaim God's truth um, over our souls, not so that everything that we're going through and suffering, the difficulty all of a sudden makes sense, but so that we, we sense the presence of God in the midst of it with us and it strengthens us through it. So as what we talked about before and Tom alluded to earlier, we, you know, we may not see any good in it, Romans eight twenty eight, but God is able to work good from it. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think the why question is really important. I think it, but it's just it's it's more of a means to an end of of coming into contact with God in a in a personal, real, tangible way in the midst of pain and suffering. I think it's interesting too when you look at the Western Christianity. Uh, I'm in contact with people in India virtually every day, and they're going through horrible COVID right now. A lot of issues going on there, food problems. Uh, I mean, starvation's happening there. But when I was in Nepal and Bangladesh, here's something I learned. The Christians there don't ask why when they suffer. They look at it as normal. Because you stand for Jesus, you will suffer. And they accept that. Their question is, how can I glorify you, Lord, in the midst of this? And I'll tell you, the first time I ran into that, I was so humbled to be in the presence of these Christian men and women who some of them had lost their children through chaos and through war. Some of them had a daughter kidnapped, and yet they were not asking the why of the Lord. They were simply, how do we glorify you in the midst of this? And I think that's the power we're looking for. I think that's why in Christianity, often we don't feel the power that we need because we're more on the why end of it rather than on what are you doing? What do you want me to do, Lord, in the midst of this? I had a dear secretary. She's still alive in her 90s. But years ago, she's coming out the door on Sunday morning, and she had been going through a lot. 
And she said, you know, I wondered a while, why me? But then I thought, why not me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good attitude. A good it's attitude. not like having Christianity in your or Jesus in your life means you're not going to go through the crud of this world. Yeah. We will go right. through the crud yeah. of this world. Yeah, right. Justin, you got a nice uh, endorsement from a listener. They just said, Amen 007. Nice job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was 006. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, here's another question. Let's see. Uh, for approximately one year, one of the churches we attend flies the LGBTQ flag on the building. What does your panel feel about churches doing that? Who wants to go first? Let's let Justin go first. Very good. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I think because of that, of what that conveys right now, um, you know, in our culture, and I think the types of thoughts and emotions that that conjures up, um, I think it would be, if the standpoint of the church is that they want to have a sense of being um, open and welcome and loving um, to all people, yet still not compromising their conviction over biblical truth and over God's, um, you know, sexual ethic that's presented in Scripture. Uh, I don't think flying that flag is the best is the best means to to, to convey that message, um, because I think it has more of a sense of you're welcome, we accept you um, as you are, and to stay as you are. When I think there's a difference between that of saying we welcome, we love you, we accept you as you are. But come join us and the rest of this mess of people who are seeking to follow Jesus and to be transformed by his grace and truth. I think that's more readily and effectively conveyed through, you know, what, what's proclaimed in the pulpit, how people are living their lives missionally in their neighborhoods and their coworkers um, and friends and family. Um, so I guess for me personally, I, I would have reservations um, about that. But I, I think it also merits a deeper conversation um, with church leadership um, around their intentions of, uh, of flying that flag, so to speak, as, as, as the question stated it, and, and what, what they're hoping to accomplish by doing that. Well, there's no question I understand that for a lot of them, love is at the bottom line. However... Too many of us have put love on the throne of the kingdom of God and not Jesus on the throne. And when you do that, you wind up compromising Jesus without even realizing it. I mean, the scripture is pretty emphatic that he is the author of the scriptures themselves. So it's not, you know, you can't just say, well, Paul said that, so Mm. therefore we got to ignore that. No, 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 no. Jesus is the ultimate author. And, you know, he said, don't be ashamed of me and my words. And so I've told people outright, you know, if you are gay, if you are caught up in the gay lifestyle or transgendered, I would love to minister to you. I would love to talk to you. I would love to share the scriptures with you. I would love to support you. But I'm not going to compromise what Jesus said. And he said, no, it's wrong. And they're not being loving. They think they're being loving by endorsing homosexuality, transgenderism. You're hurting people for eternity. Yes. And if I can be just a little blunt, you know, I have struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. If you go to pastorstudy.org, my testimony is there. We got TV shows with me talking about my struggle with that temptation most of my life. The last church on earth I would go to is a, a, a church that flies the gay rainbow flag. And Tom, you and I for many years battled liberalism in our former liberal denomination. I can tell you I know nobody not one person who flies that flag 
who would hold to the biblical ethic on homosexuality. They're all on the other side of the issue. Mm-hmm. So take that flag down, and if they won't take it down, find another church. All right. I always think that we should uh, assert ourselves if we see our, uh, our, our rainbow on somebody wearing some rainbow apparel. Just bring up Genesis 9.16. Mm-hmm. I can see that uh, you are celebrating remembering the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. There you go. I mean, T- take it back. Take it back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the problem in Christianity is either we have overreacted to the point where people have yelled at each other. That's not that often. Or we've just gotten silent. You know, we want to just accept everybody. And the bottom line is, I want everybody to be acceptable to Jesus, and that means they need to kneel down, repent of their sins, and let him uh, guide them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom, you have the same sex struggle. Uh, you know, guys, uh, where I come from, we have we, we, we admire King Solomon with 300 wives and 700 concubines. Mm-hmm. And yet we wouldn't want to fly a flag at a church that says that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's part of sinful nature. And part of sinful nature is, okay, yeah, we got to face that, but we never justify it. And we, we talked during the break about a certain denomination that last week voted in, after having two homosexual bishops with husbands, now for the first time in all of Christianity America, no denomination has done this. Last week, this denomination voted in their first transgender bishop, a woman who wants to be called they. Now, you know, when the church is that messed up, I wouldn't go to a church like that. So get a good biblical church. I would encourage you to go. I'm not a big endorser of YouTube, but I saw a great documentary. They're fairly easy to find. There are many documentaries out there now of men and women that have gone through transgender surgeries the gone one. the whole route. Oh, amen. And now have come back and said, I was absolutely wrong. Absolutely. I am sorry I did this. They're now living as their biological, who they yes. were, even though they're castrated. They, they, they're, they've had the, the organs removed. But their their bottom line is they're angry that the doctors did this. Mm-hmm. They're angry that the church let them do this. They're angry that others, and nobody really objected. Right. And there was legislation recently to ban sex change operations on people under 18, um, the Democrats won't let it come to the floor. Unbelievable. Wow. But you have to yeah, be over that, 18 to get a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, and obviously this isn't, you know, um, I was going to say an issue, but it's more than just an issue, but it's something that I think we're going to need to continue to, to talk about and learn how to talk about and address in a way. Um, you know, as Jesus came, he was one who was full of grace and truth. Yes. And, you know, and I think that's I think love is the thing that holds the tension between those two, because um, because God, because Jesus is a God who is a God of love and grace, we, we come to him as we are in all of our sin and all of our mess and all of our brokenness. But because he's a God of love and truth, he doesn't he's not content to leave us as we are. And so I think, you know, we talked about redeeming the, the image of the rainbow. We also need to take back and actually redefine biblically what true love is. And what that looks like, and so there's a good word. Yeah, I know yeah. we got a break coming, so I, I'll stop there. That's okay. Well, I don't mean to cut you off, but when you hear the music, it is time to go to break. We're up against a hard break, but when we come back, we would love to hear more of your questions. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno, Brad Tom, 
say every show I come to, I always ask the Lord that what I say is going to be largely what's heard and understood, you know, because sometimes there's going to be something that you don't hear correctly or you mishear or you hear half of it and you fill in some blank. Your brain does that sometimes, right? Yeah. So I want to address uh, this question, this concern that came in from a listener, and this breaks my heart into a thousand pieces, but the good news is we will clear this up right now. Okay? Got it. So... Question, uh, comment comes in. My mother enjoys guy talk so much. However, a few weeks ago, one of the pastors answered a question regarding those who have already passed away. Something regarding our seeing our loved ones when we die. One of the pastors said that he didn't think we would be seeing them. My dad died five years ago, and she has been looking forward to seeing him again. Since the program, she has been sad and often cries. It hurts to see my mother this upset. Could you explain this a little more? And the answer is, oh, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Go ahead, Tim. I I think what we said was, I think you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, said Jesus. So I think you'll see your husband if he was a believer in heaven. He won't be your husband, but you'll see him. I think we'll see our our dead Christian loved ones in heaven. What I I said, can, can your dead husband in heaven, see you down here on earth. I don't know any verse that would say yes to that or no to that. Mm -hmm. Can the saints in heaven see us down here on earth? I don't think we know the answer to that. But we will be reunited with the saints for all of eternity. Amen. And I just want to make that crystal clear. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm like you, I'm very sorry that was heard the way it was heard. And who knows what we said. But the bottom line is we can reaffirm right now biblically that yes, we will recognize people in the kingdom of God, and those our loved ones have gone before will be there, and I'm sure we'll be reunited with many of them. And you know, if I can just add on one more thing, the big deal about going to heaven, though, is not that you're going to see your, your daughter or right. your husband. You're going to see the Lord Jesus. You'll be so caught up in that, you won't be grieved if your husband is in the other place. You know, you won't... You won't that won't be an issue for you. Uh, I, I no, I'm not saying her husband. <laughs> no, no, but let's say you die and your spouse is not in heaven because they rejected Christ. Right. Will you mourn over that for eternity? I don't think you will. No. No. No, being with Jesus will satisfy everything. Mm-hmm. So I hope that uh, helps this woman's heart. Justin, do you have anything to add to that? No, you notice the, the scripture that comes to my mind, um, just because the, the tail end of it, the purpose of, is for us to encourage one another with the words. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of um, at, at Christ's second coming in First Thessalonians 4, um, it says that all who are alive, who are left at the, at the coming of Christ will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So that's all who died will rise mm-hmm. first. And that's so that we will always be with the Lord, therefore encourage one another with these words. So I think for this this dear woman that she can have that encouragement and that assurance that, as Tom, you know, both Tom's already um, stated, that if her husband was united to Christ, united with Christ and a believer was born again, they will be together with Jesus forever. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah, nice stated, Justin. And, and you know, I had a woman recently say, "My mother died, and now she talks to me." And I talked to her, and she said, is that okay? And I said, I wouldn't do that. 
Now, it's an abomination to talk to the dead or try to contact the dead. Your mother, if she's a believer, is in heaven. She won't be coming down giving you messages. And, you know, you don't pray to your mother. You pray to the Lord. I mean, my dad died years ago. My sister, I never talked to my dead relatives. Well, you can can say something out loud if you're missing your beloved, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. You can say, you know... If you were here with me right now, that's right. you would be laughing yes. with me. Yeah, no, I think that's that's yeah. different. You know, you so I think there's a, a difference. I think there's a difference. Honoring yeah. to that. And I, I knew a lady that, yeah, she talks to Eld and her husband, but it's not like she's really talking to him. It's more like what you just said. Making comments. Right. Eld, if, if Eldon was here, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> because there's a certain, um, uh, just the fact that a person's gone doesn't mean your relationship with that person ends. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's very sad, I think, when families don't talk about loved ones that have passed on, mm-hmm. almost like it's taboo. It's like, yeah. no, 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 talk about them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, the grave doesn't end the relationship. No, of course it doesn't. And we need to affirm that, especially among those who believe in the Lord Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Comment, I'm listening to Faith Radio this afternoon, and between shows there was a promo reciting the Lord's Prayer using the word sin, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I've been a Christian forever and never said the Lord's Prayer using sin. Always use debts or trespasses. I love it using sin because it's very clear then. Any reason we don't use it more universally, just one of those aha moments. God's Word is always full of new learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. Who wants to jump on that one? All, all the denominations I know of use the word trespasses. When you go to a Presbyterian church, they use the word debts. And if I remember right, the Presbyterians are a little more uh, literal on this. I think literally the word is debts. Forgive us our debts. Well, what does that mean? It means our sins. <laughs> my my indebtedness to God is because of my sins. But Yeah, I'm looking at the Greek right now, uh, the New Testament, and the Greek word that is translated as debt can also be translated as a delinquency, an offense, a fault, a sin. Mm-hmm. And so it depends on the translators. And that's why I encourage you, uh, look at a number of translations. If you if you can't get into the original languages, there are some great translations out there. See how different people translate this. And I like sin very much because that's what it is. You like sin, Tom? I like the, oh, oh, the Lord's oh. Prayer with the word sin because it <laughs> that is... That was uh, a joke, Tom. I know it was. I know. I've been around <laughs> you too long. I'm trying to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, the comedy hour starts at 6 p.m. No, and that <laughs> wasn't which is, it. Which is, which is exactly when my show ends. <laughs> Have at it, you guys. It, it, is always, it is always funny kind of a, on a little bit of a hum, you know, humorous anecdote here. Like, you know, whenever you've been a part of saying that out loud with somebody, like, oh, let's recite the Lord's Prayer... I always love the, the kind of awkward, like, conversational congestion that happens, you know, and forgive us our, and you have, like, trespass the sins of death. You know, like, no one really knows like, what that. <laughs> it's like you have to say it on the front end. You're like, and when we get to this part, we're going to say this, you know. But I think, uh, you know, that, that idea, too, and to Tom's point, you know, when you look at a word in the Greek, every, every you know, word has what's called a semantic range that it can be translated yeah. several different ways than what, what determines that which word is selected is the context and you know and i think the you know for a, a translator to say sin i think it, it it does bring it more to this listener's aha moment to the point of we usually don't talk about debt or trespasses 
and, and we talk about yeah. sins as maybe more of a familiar language, but it's really essentially the same way of saying, different ways of saying the same thing. Our offense to God, our sin, our brokenness, our, the way that we have trespassed, the way that we have fell short, um, that, that, that idea. So. All right, gentlemen, recently people who have been out of church for over a year have started trickling back into our congregation. They were no doubt attending online, but I'm struggling to trust those who dropped out. I mean, what if something like the reaction to COVID-19 happens again? I'm just looking for wisdom. I enjoy when the body of Christ is unified and the return of those who, from my perspective, abandon us seems like a step backward. There are a lot of reasons people drop out or, you know, fall away under those circumstances. COVID could be part of it, but I don't know. Um, One thing I learned as a Christian counselor over the years is never assume I understood what the person was saying the first time they said it, because there was always a deeper meaning. So my advice to the listener is simply take the time to talk to them, see how they're doing, how they manage through all this, listen to what they have to say. And I would imagine many of them are carrying a, a sense of guilt and are going to want to confess something. They may not come right out and say, I sinned against the Lord and against you when I wasn't here. But, you know, I let my fears overwhelm me. Or my family, you know, just was on my case about not going out in public. So talk to them, listen, and welcome them back. I think this is hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime thing that hopefully will never happen again in our lifetimes. I would be super merciful with the people that haven't shown up for a year. They may have underlying health conditions. I mean, I got COVID, and I gave it, I'm pretty sure, to two people who gave it to their children, and I gave it to a guy who died of it. So it's a horrible feeling. I I know that God's in control, but it's a horrible thing. And so if somebody didn't come to church for a year because they were being careful because of COVID, I don't think we judge those people at all, you know? So that's my opinion. How do you know you give it? well, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, it's because of the timeline of it. Okay. No, you had a, you had a good a good sideways comment, Bill. Go ahead. I, I want you to fire no, that away. No, that's okay. Tom no. already answered my question. I don't know that I gave it to him, but it's I I would guess I did. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say yeah. I I agree with what the Tom's already um, expressed that I think we really have to be careful in assigning motive to people's decisions. And, you know, I think if we're honest, we don't understand our own motives most day, you know, most days. But I think we also have to, you know, when we think about coming to church, too, you know, or going to church, I think that there's, um, there, there is something that uh, is, you know, gathering with local believers that, that it, there's nothing that can replace that. But I think, you know, that we don't know if these people maybe have um, participated virtually, if maybe they met in smaller groups. We don't know what type of sense of fellowship or community they, they maintained. But no doubt this last year has been a trial and a test for everyone. And so I think it just merits, like, again, a merciful, gracious conversation of saying, hey, it's great to see you again. You know, tell me about what this last year has been like for you. Well, And, and, the, and just ask questions and to listen. The flip side of that, re, like last week I got a letter. Here's a lady and her husband. Finally, they start going to a church. Then they stopped going for quite a while. Now she's really upset that nobody in the church bothered to call us or come visit us, et cetera. And now they're not going to church and they're just watching our TV show. And I said, we're not the church. You got to be part of a church. Hebrews ten twenty five. you got to be part of the church. But she, I mean, she's kind of got, 
and I see, and, uh, and given the days of COVID, people just don't want to bop out to your house. You know, this is different. And so I, even if the, even if we didn't have COVID and you stopped going to a church for a year, yeah, they should have reached out for you, but don't let that be your eternal excuse of not getting into the house of God. Mm-hmm. You know, confront where you need to, forgive, but don't just stay home the rest of your life because somebody didn't call you, you know. I've been in the ministry a long time, and so have you, Tom. And Justin, you know what this is about. If, as pastors, we would have left the church because some member said or did something that hurt us Every other or didn't day. follow. Well, it, it's constant. It's just ongoing. It's just people. And I think that the, it, we got to get in our heads that redeemed people are still many times confused people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who do some very stupid things. And one of the things I'm, I'm doing some teaching this summer, you look at the local church. We are not organized to really care for one another. I mean, you can't minister to 200 families with one pastor. No. You can't follow up and do that. Matter of fact, I just read an article that said it's between 12 and 15 families that one person could take care of at a time. Well, that's about 80 people in the local church. So how are we going to do that? We need to look deeper. Mm -hmm. Another listener jumped in with maybe they didn't agree with the church's policy of wearing a mask or were unable to wear one. So they stopped going. Mm-hmm. That's very possible yeah. as well. It could be. I yeah. wish they'd articulate yeah. that. That would be good I, but to I'm know. Just gonna, I'm just going to say it over and over. No matter what your circumstance or who's hurt you or et cetera, et cetera, you're commanded to be part of the body of Christ. Uh, Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourself. And if you need to confront somebody, I was really hurt. You know, nobody called. Or if you need to forgive somebody, you do that. But you don't stay home the rest of your life. Right. I think, yeah, this is why it's so important. And I, and I see, see this all, all the time with, with students here that we, we cannot base our faith or our obedience to the ways in which people have represented or misrepresented Jesus. We have Amen. to base our faith and our obedience in Jesus upon the revelation of him in the scriptures, because mm-hmm. that's unchanging. And, and no doubt, We've all misrepresented. We've all fallen short. We've all trespassed. <laughs> We've all sinned. Um, but that's. Uh, but, but we can never use that as a as an excuse for disobedience. Well, just look at your extended family. Do all of them make you proud? Do all of them treat you as you want to be treated? Well, of course not. We've all got extended family that can be a pain in the neck, but they're still family. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give up going to family gatherings because they act. The way they act. Yeah. I'm going to be there because I want to be there. This is my family. Plus, could, could this person herself have some issues? <laughs> you know, if, if she, you know, we're, we all have our issues. And if you're looking for a perfect church, you'll never go to church. Yeah. We'll take yeah, a little... Don't go there because you'll mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I've also just, I've really been reflecting a lot lately on all of the one and others in the New Testament. Oh, yeah. You know, and some have counted them up. I mean, they, you know, they're, that, that, that word is, exists over 100 times in 90 different verses, and there's 59 different one another verses. And it's like, unless we are connected to the local church, we, we are missing out on a huge bulk of teaching of the New Testament, which is why it's essential for us to be living um, within the context of a faith community. And now what that looks like in the shape and the form, I really think this last year has uh shook us to the core in terms of maybe the things that we thought that gathered church should be about and should be doing and what it should look like. Um, I think we should also pay attention to the, to the reality that, you know, the church in America is one of the only places that the church isn't growing. And so, you know, it's the places that are meeting in smaller spaces, you know, we've talked about this in other, uh, other shows as well. And so 
if someone's gathering in, in more of a home church, you know, feel or that type of thing, I think we got to, you know, be careful, give give a, a liberty on, on how the local church gathers, but um, and, and and the different structures that are that that are represented in scriptures. But what's for sure, and I think is clearly not a non-negotiable and non-debatable, is that we have to be connected to a, a local expression of the church. All right, Lord. we've got guys, and we've got talk, and we've got more guy talk coming in just a minute. We'll be right back. Guide Talk. Thank you for your great questions. Got time for a couple of more. Here's one I find interesting. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. We live in a money-driven world. How can I make sure I am using money but not loving money? That's a deep question. Mm -hmm. Who wants to start off on that one? about Tom Parrish. I can do that. I can talk about this. Um, Really, it goes, you have to keep looking at the heart. What's driving you? You know, to use money is is one thing, and we have to use money. It's part of the culture. We, We do that all around the world. But when you live for the money, or when the money becomes your primary concern, um, I was in a church, true story, they were talking about laying off staff because the offering wasn't as good as it was. And I said, but I understand that, but we have an account over here, a rainy day account with $300,000 in it. Why aren't we using that? And the response was, well, well, that's for a rainy day fund. I said, the Lord's already provided the money. But among some of those people, and I, I'm not going to judge all of them, but among them, holding onto that money was much more important than anything else. And to me, that's one of the real dangers. How readily are you to let it go and give it to others? There's an old saying, do your possessions own you or do you own them? Yeah. And I I can't remember if I shared this, but when I was going through COVID, uh, I, 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 I love going to garage sales. So I've got stuff all over my walls, all over my house. And when I was really sick, I looked around, I thought, because I thought I was maybe dying. <laughs> I said... I got to get rid of this stuff. <laughs> After I got better, I took about five carloads full of stuff to Bible for Missions Thrift Store in Crystal, Minnesota. Everything Good. everything you drop off there goes to Good. missions. And you know what? It didn't feel like a sacrifice at all. I felt so good. They took it all. It's all going to go to missions. And that was a second. So get rid of stuff. The other thing I think the Lord taught me is be zealous in supporting uh, foreign yeah, missions. So uh, start giving money to Samaritan's Purse or International Christian Concern or the Timothy Initiative. Find some good missions and make sure you're sending a good amount of money to these places. Well, the scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. You look at America, compare the rest of the world, everybody here has been given and, a lot. Uh, we're rich. We're a rich country, even if you're poor, and, and I don't want to demean anybody, 
But even if you're poor, you're still richer than most of the people Absolutely. in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I say a, a yes and amen to all of that. I think, um, you know, Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money or possessions. And so I, I think the... I think part of it comes back to viewing ourselves, again, not as owners, but as stewards. So if I look at my bank account and I say, this isn't my money, this is God's money. And and, and just having that posture uh, before the Lord, I think, really goes a long way. But even practically, candidly, some of the things, I, I mean, make a, make a habit of, of giving, not only of money, but also of your time, of your possessions. Make a—I love how Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, underneath the—, the the uh, spiritual discipline of simplicity, um, in other words, just leave, having a life that's free from cumber and having a singular focus in life, you know, it says make, develop a habit of giving things away. And I like to add that you still like and need. So it's easy to give things away. They're like, I don't need this anymore. I don't wear this anymore. But what's something that the last time we gave, we actually had to trust the Lord. Right? Mm-hmm. I, felt, I, felt un, I felt uneasy about giving this gift or about giving this away. It actually kind of stung a little bit. But there's something about doing that that actually develops a trust in the Lord yes. and actually maybe exposes a false trust that mm-hmm. maybe have in things mm-hmm. like our money, our possessions. So. I like that. All right, here's another question. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong. How do we do that, and how do we honestly support one another when we are in the woke and cancel culture? Mm-hmm. Yikes. Well, I'll tell you, when you speak up, people are going to come after you. you. You've got to kind of get that in your head. Other Christians don't need to be silent. They need to step up at the same time and support and speak out and to encourage. And I know one of the things I try to do a lot, and uh, I know, Tom, you've done a lot of this. I pick up the phone all through the day and night, and I'll probably call anywhere from 15 to 20 people just to encourage them for something they've done or something they've said. Some of them I know personally. Some of them I don't know very well. Uh, but we need to encourage one another and support one another when we do take a stand for the Lord, because otherwise we get isolated. And I think that's Satan's number one tool. Isolate us, make us feel we're all alone, and the Lord isn't with us, when indeed he is. I have gotten, Tom Parrish, a number of really encouraging kind of notes out of the blue from you. Yeah. And they have meant a lot to me. So thank, thank you. you for that. Yeah. I'm now, waiting for my first, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> don't... Uh, don't wait too I've got a time. sign that says garage sale, Tom Brock's house. <laughs> Today I interviewed a man who's been doing deliverance ministry for 44 years. And I, I said to him near the end of it, I said, you know, I don't think the devil likes you. And so the question is, how do you stand firm being attacked by Satan? And he said, and I don't do it every day, but I do it regularly. He says, every day I pray the armor on from Ephesians chapter 6. I gird my loins of truth, and you put on whatever truth you need for that. I take up the shield of faith. I put on the helmet of salvation. I mean, read Ephesians 6 and pray each, you know, the old hymn, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer, stand up, stand up for Jesus. If you've never gone to Ephesians 6 and prayed each piece of that armor on you, that's a good thing to do regularly. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Justin, any thoughts? Yeah, I I think think it's hard. You know, we live in a, um, uh, we've had a lot of conversation too, just in some of my coworkers here about living in a culture of of offense. We're We're so easily offended by so many different things. And, um, and I think that we need to, you know, develop a thick skin, but keep a tender heart. 
And, you know, I think it goes back to talk about the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive us our sins as we have, um, as we've been forgiven, forgive, you know, as we forgive others. And, and he goes after that Lord's Prayer, says that if we do not forgive others, that the Father in Heaven will not forgive us. And so I think um, we need to practice um, tenaciously <laughs> forgiveness. And I think it stems from recognizing the ways that we have been forgiven. And, uh, you know, I think of, of, of Jesus's words of, you know, those whom have been forgiven much love much. I think we don't really recognize how much indeed we have been forgiven. And if I can uh, allow the Lord to bring me to that place of recognizing that, there's no way in God's kingdom, the gospel does not allow me to cancel anybody out mm. or to look at anyone and say, you know what? Nope, I'm going to cut you out completely. Now, we need to have good boundaries. We need, there's different things. That's a, that's a different conversation. But we got to remember that these one another's, we, we, are, we are members one of another. So if I'm going to cancel somebody out or cut somebody out, it's like me lopping off my thumb or cutting off my foot. You know, like we're, we're, we're going to be walking with a limp in our life of faith um, unless we're practicing a, a radical forgiveness that the Lord first demonstrated and continues to demonstrate and extend to us. Gentlemen, I appreciate you guys very much. I love the fact you always frame your answers with Scripture, because in a world of seven and a half billion people, nobody needs another opinion. Amen. Agreed. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for a uh, wonderful guy talk today. I appreciate that very much. That is the time we have. It sure went fast. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Pastor Lucas Miles is going to be my guest in the first half hour. We're going to talk about his new book, and it has to do with how the how liberal thought has hijacked the church. I think you're going to find this very interesting. And then Kim Cattola is going to be joining me with all kinds of pro-life news. That's all ahead in hour two. Be right back. You know how liberalism is? Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.